Thank you for uh, praying with me and as we continue to see what's going on, being able to share and speak out against what is evil and proclaim what is right and true and good. And I made the statement because of the scriptures making the statement that as followers of Jesus, we are to be able to distinguish what is good from what is evil. And that is actually something that happens through maturing. So we've kind of covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time since we started in September. We began with talking about God's holiness, our call to be holy. We defined the word sanctification and what that means. And really, this is just a continuation of that overarching theme of sanctification, the process that God has us on when we've come to Christ. When we've had that born again moment, when we've given our lives to Jesus, we embark on a process, on a journey that the Bible describes or we give the theological term to sanctification, the sanctifying, the setting apart. And we talked about what all that means. Part of this process is maturing as believers. Now, we know what maturing means. I mean, we can define that. We see it in human beings. We see it all over our world. But I want to highlight for you that this maturing process is a natural byproduct of what God is doing in us through the Holy Spirit. It should just naturally be happening. And what I've entitled this message in our Diving into the Deep End series is Failure to Launch. Because we can't get maturity confused with time, years of service. Maturity doesn't just happen because we get older. Some of you can think of right now that person who is older and isn't very mature. Oh, he's never grown up. She, do they say it about women? She's never grown up? I only ever hear it about dudes. He's never grown up. This natural byproduct is maturing. It, it should be happening in us as humans. But something else needs to take place if we're actually going to mature. So... It's built into the fabric of how God made everything. Here's an acorn. Here's the life cycle of a tree. You can put a life cycle of anything on there. It's pretty much very similar to this process. Right now, fall, if you got an oak tree, you might have thousands of acorns. If you go to Nick Wisner's house, he's about a million in his driveway. Uh, I knew he, he, blow, he blew it off the other day, and like two days later, there's another million there. Uh, my mother-in-law's house, she's got oak trees, and my uncle used to come over and fill boxes of acorns and uh, take them to another property to feed deer and all that kind of stuff. And they can be pretty annoying, but nobody's asking the, the oak tree to produce them. You don't give it some special plant food, tree food, to produce acorns. They just do it. When the acorn falls, germinates, sprouts, then there's a seedling, then there's a tree. As that tree grows, it's going to start flowering. And, and oak trees, they get that little polony thing that goes everywhere. God made this stuff really annoying, but I guess he had a purpose for it, just to keep us busy cleaning our driveways off. And then one day, it's going to be an oak tree, and it's going to produce fruit. Now, the fruit of an oak tree is an acorn. I mean, you can eat them. They're not that good, but it's producing the natural byproduct of what it came from. An acorn. And if you let all those acorns go, some might sprout, some might not. 
And if we planted 10 acorns beside each other, this one might grow pretty big right away. This one might be this size. They're all going to look different. This one might start producing acorns and, and lots of them. This one, not as many. It happens in our world all the time. And this is exactly the byproduct of us coming to Christ and this sanctification process. This is just what should be happening in our lives. And unfortunately, the title of my message is getting at my issue with the American church, which is, I think there's been a failure to launch, a failure to mature. Now that word failure to launch is coming from articles I've read. Maybe you've heard it said, and it's talking about young people living in mom and dad's basement. And they've described it as a failure to launch, to get out into the world and grow up in a sense. Now this picture, I don't, none of those are your sons, I don't think anyway, although you could maybe put your son's head on one of them, I'm not sure. But the article I got this from was from 2014, the picture of these two guys. And the article didn't say failure to launch, that's a term, I don't know if it was coined in 2014. But the article was written, seven ways you can get your kid out of your basement. That's what the article was written for. And, the, and here's like the practical steps you can take. Because the reality is just because you're older doesn't mean you're more mature. Something else has to happen. There's, something else has got to take place in a person's life for them to actually mature. I've said this in, in all premarital counseling sessions that I've done. That just because you've been married 25 years does not mean you have a healthy, strong, mature marriage. If that were the case, then I wouldn't talk to people who've been married for 25 years that are having the same issues that they had when they first got married. Years does not equal maturity. There's got to be more to it. If you've been sitting in a church pew for 25 years, that doesn't mean you're mature. There's more to it than that. Maybe 30, maybe 40 years. There should be this byproduct happening in our life. The author of Hebrews recognizes that this is not happening in the church, so he writes about it. And this is kind of like bringing, because on the 22nd, Pastor John Smith is going to have another message for you in the same vein as what I'm talking about in terms of growing and maturing and sanctification. And then the 29th is going to be a, a time in which hopefully we, you will get to hear how God's been doing that in people's lives. This message is really a culmination of where we've headed from what God calls us to be sanctification. And now here's kind of our last stage. It's a last stage to ask ourselves whether or not we've had this failure to launch. And it's something that I've been viewing in the American church. It's why I've brought it up this morning. Because I don't want it to be true of us, and I don't want it to be true of the American church. Our, our failure to launch has many implications. And if we have come to Christ, we're born again, praise the Lord, something else ought to be happening in our life, and it's just like that oak tree. The natural byproduct is that we ought to be producing fruit. And we ought to be seeing more people come to Christ as a result of what we're doing and how we're living as followers of Jesus. So this failure to launch is a real problem. 
this, as I said, this article is 2014. It, it hasn't gone away. And, and maybe you need to have a conversation with your child about a failure to launch. The implication is that we will grow and mature and that that process, the author of Hebrews is saying, was stunted in some way. And why this is so important, why I'm bringing it up now, why I believe God put this on my heart to share with our church beginning in September until now is because I see this happening and the author of Hebrews saw it happening and he gave the church a warning. That's what chapter 5 and 6 are really about, a warning to the church. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. He is talking about what Jesus has done through his death, burial, and resurrection. He's talking about what all the Old Testament scriptures pointed to, Jesus as the high priest, what that, all, what that means. The uh, book of Hebrews is really just kind of an Old Testament message. The author of Hebrews takes an Old Testament passage, and then he basically preaches a small sermon about it. Another Old Testament passage, another small sermon about it. And he's saying we got to pay careful attention to what God has done in Christ, what God has told us. That's why he's writing the book of Hebrews. To what we've heard, so that you don't drift away. All across America. There are churches and denominations drifting away from God's truth. We, as mature believers, need to be able to distinguish what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is a lie. And the author of Hebrews is saying, if we don't mature as the church, we're in trouble of drifting away. Now, he goes on to talk about what that means and looks like in chapter 2, 3, and 4. In chapter 5, he's addressing an issue that he has seen. And this letter and this book of Hebrews is addressed to many churches, not just one specifically, but multiple churches. These are not new converts. These are people that have believed in Jesus, have been following Jesus. It's not like it just happened yesterday, and he's writing this letter to them. And he's specifically talking about Melchizedek. Melchizedek. If you're following along in your Bible, I don't have it on the screen up here. I'm not making the word up. Uh, in chapter 5, the beginning of it, if you have uh, subtitles in your Bible, it says Jesus, the great high priest, but then he brings up this name, Melchizedek. And he wants to go deeper with this church. He wants to start diving into that deep end with them. He doesn't want to stay in the shallow end, but there's a problem. He addresses that problem in verse 11 of why he can't go into the deep end with this church. We have much to say about this. That is the deeper things of God, these deeper truths about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Eat milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching 
about righteousness. He's talking about growth here. That should be obvious. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained, themse trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, there's some active, this is something that apparently the mature are doing, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong, what Jesus wants us to do, what we ought not to do, how we live for God and what it looks like to live the opposite way. We ought to be able to distinguish all of that is what the author of Hebrews is saying, but this church is unable to do that. Their growth was stunted in a number of ways. The, word, the Greek word that's actually used there is laziness. He says, because you no longer try to understand, you are apathetic towards the things of God. You just don't care. Other things have taken their place. There's no effort on your part to understand and learn the things of God. And that laziness is actually producing a drifting. And he has some stronger things to say. We're not going to cover them in chapter 6. But if you keep reading from chapter 5, chapter 6 has some stronger things to say regarding what happens when we start drifting away from the truth of the gospel. That lack of wanting to understand, that apathy towards the things of God, produces something that they don't want, which is a drifting or another aspect of that, as the author of Hebrews is saying, is you still need to learn the basic things about Christianity. It's like every time I'm with you, I'm covering Christianity 101, and then I leave, and then I come back, and we're going over the same material, and we've been doing this for years. Over and over and over again, because there's no maturing. That's an issue, he's saying. You're still requiring milk when you should be feeding on solid food. And we get this process in human beings. You know, as a baby, they need help, even just feeding themselves. They can't do it themselves. When they try and feed themselves, it goes everywhere. But then as they start growing, they start picking up Cheerios. Thank God he invented Cheerios because I think every baby I've ever seen, that's how they start learning to put stuff in their mouth. And then it's Cheerios, and then it's crayons, and then it's everything else. And you've got to tell the child what they can eat and what they can't eat. And the goal is to get them to feed themselves, and we're all excited. All right, they can feed themselves, and it's not going everywhere. And now they get to eat some good stuff, some good meals. Like, this is what food is. It's not this mushed up peas and carrots and mangoes mixed together. Like, what? who does that? But now it's all this good stuff. And they start growing and feeding themselves. And you're learning to help them do that. And so now you're not their servant anymore. Mommy, Daddy, can you go get this for me? You've got two legs. You know where the fridge is. And we got to train them. You can do this for yourself. It's important to do this for yourself. You can pour your own milk. You know, Leah's, it's heavy, the little milk jug, and she's got to pour her own milk. And we're all excited about that. 
Well, the author of Hebrews is telling us that's true of the Christian life as well. If you are still needing to be spoon-fed by someone else, you are not growing. There has been a failure to launch that has stunted your growth, and actually you aren't maturing. And so the same things you've struggled with, the same issues you've had, the same sins you've had, has been stunted because there is no maturing taking place. And we have trouble distinguishing what is good from what is evil. What God's desire is and what God detests. We have no victory over that sin. We've never replaced flying off the handle and getting angry right away with graciousness. We've not replaced that resentment and bitterness with forgiveness. We still deal with the same issues over and over and over. Well, what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that we've stunted in our growth. There has been a failure to launch. And that's the problem if we're supposed to be producing fruit. This is the natural byproduct. You know, there was a time in my life where I, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born again. But the journey didn't stop there. It didn't just end at that moment. God started doing something else in my life. We know that term we call sanctification. He's helping me become more like Jesus. We defined that word for us. And I've seen that growth in my own life and that maturing that has taken place. And so I want to see that happen in other people's lives. And that's what the church is all about, to be disciples who make disciples. And I've been taking some people through a, a discipleship training manual. And actually in that training manual, the author of it, Jim Putman and some others, they actually put in there a life cycle of a believer when you're born again and kind of what life looks like as you go through that cycle and what the byproduct of our life should be, which is more fruit, more believers in Jesus, more people walking with the Lord, maturing as followers. And this is statements that he's made. I haven't made them. And th this is what he classifies as spiritual infancy. The way that he termed it was phrases from the stage. This is what you would hear a spiritual infant say. If you're a spiritual infant, you might hear someone say, why do I need to go to church regularly? That's what they would say. Jim Putman says, this is a identifying mark of spiritual infancy. Now we have that in humans, like at this infant stage, toddler stage, adolescence, preteen, postteen, adulthood, you know, we have all those stages and we think to ourselves, well, this is what I ought to see in the adolescent stage. So if you're 30 and you're still doing stuff in the adolescent stage, we've got a problem. There's been a failure to launch and mature. Just because you're 30 years old doesn't mean it automatically happens. Something else has to take place. So he says, if you're a spiritual infant, this is the kinds of things you hear. Well, why do I need to go to church regularly? And if I'm having a conversation with somebody for five years about why they ought to be in church, there's a maturation problem. There's a stuntedness in your growth. You're going to struggle distinguishing good from evil. You're going to struggle with the same things that have been happening in your life. They're going to keep happening. 
He says, you might hear this phrase from the stage. I don't need anyone else, just me and Jesus. That's what Phil Robertson said to his sister who came and said, hey, your kids really love church. We'd love to see you there. And he said, well, what do I need to see, go to meet God in a pew for when I can be out in his creation? His life would have been a lot different if he would have sat in that pew instead of going out in God's creation if you watch his story. But we recognize that it isn't just me and Jesus in this thing we call Christianity. But a spiritual infant doesn't see the need for any of those things. A spiritual infant might say, well, if I read and pray, if I read my Bible and pray, then that's good enough, right? God's going to be happy with me. I get a checkoff list. You know how many people have talked to me about things that are happening in their life that are bad is because God's mad at them. And why is God mad at them? Because they didn't show up in church today. Or maybe they didn't read their Bible as much as they should have this week. And they think God operates on you do this and God responds this way. That you have that much power and control over God's desire to love you or not love you. That is not how God operates. And we ought to know that. If we still think, when I read my Bible, God loves me more. When I don't read my Bible, God hates me. Then you've not matured. God is not subject to your whims. And when he forgives you, and is gracious and kind and merciful, and go through all those attributes. Those attributes are God are not determined on whether or not you did a good job today. Our desire to do that was last week's message. It's a response to God's free gift of grace. That's not who God is. He's not just deciding, yeah, well, you messed up today. Bam, I'm going to get you. People that are stuck in maturing believe the church exists for them. And if it's not doing what I need, if it's not meeting my needs, I'll go find one that is. And when that one doesn't meet my needs, I'll go find another one that does. And when that one doesn't, then I'll stay at home and watch uh, Elevation Worship. Nothing against Elevation Worship. But I bet their guitarist isn't a guitarist and a full-time prison employee as well, like Tristan is. There is this tendency in the American church to struggle with the solid food piece. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, constant use, constant eating of, that's why we eat all the time in the EC church, that's why we're having a lunch on October 29th, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The food I'm talking about is not the yummy stuff we're going to eat on the 29th. The food I'm talking about is spiritual food. What Jesus is teaching us and showing us in his word. What God has told us in his word. If you grabbed one of those sermon notes, that, that verse is there. And you need to fill in some of those key terms that we're using. If you are maturing, you are constantly using the things you're being trained up in so that you can distinguish what God desires from us from what he doesn't want. Distinguish good from evil. Elsewhere in scripture it says not being tossed about by the winds and the waves. 
Not sticking our finger in the air and seeing where the culture is blowing and going along with that. Basically not drifting away from the truth of the gospel. This is why it is so important we mature, because we see a lot of drifting. I see it in the American church, and I'm concerned about us maturing. That's why, as I said in July, my desire is to be very intentional about helping us mature as believers that come to Grace Church. I remember doing, in a discipling relationship, I don't even remember how long it was, probably five years, at least five years, and all five of those years I was having the same conversation over and over and over again. They just didn't mature because they didn't put any of this into practice. Maturity doesn't happen simply because you sit in a pew. Something else needs to be going on. There is more of you giving yourself over to God and recognizing, all right, this is a sin in my life, God. I need to get rid of it. I'm willing to change to be renewed. And the Holy Spirit in your life enables you to have victory over it. Sanctification will produce maturity. That's just what it does. It's like that acorn. I don't have to ask it to do it. It's just going to produce an oak tree that produces acorns. This is what we as the church ought to be doing. And that day was really important in my life when I gave my life to Jesus and said, I'm, I'm done with doing things my way, Lord. And I'm willing to follow you. I started that process. That process of sanctification is why I'm here right now. I desired God to do it in my life and I believed in it so much so that I think this is the, you can disagree with me, but I'm doing this job because I think this is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. It's the most important thing you can teach your kids. This is everything. That's why I'm doing it. And I'm here to try and express to you that maturing is something that ought to be happening in your life. And the first way it happens, as we've been covering since September, is that we are willing to die to sin. And Scripture gives us plenty of uh, ways in which we can recognize sin. Last week, I said old self and new self. If you grab one of those um, sermon note sheets, you were able to write down, here's the old self, here's the new self. And maybe your sin's different than my sin, but we could write all those things down. And the question was, am I dying to that sin and living unto righteousness? That's the question. People who are maturing in their faith are doing that. There's a point in which that stuff becomes not important to you and the things of God become important to you. Am I living out what I'm hearing being preached, what I'm reading myself, what I'm listening to on podcasts, radio, TV? Am I living all of that out? Because maturity means all this stuff makes sense, or at least if it doesn't make sense, you're willing to try and figure it out and put it into practice. So when Jesus says we're supposed to love our enemies, no one said that's easy, but we actually try and do it. When Jesus says that even lust is as if you've committed adultery, we actively try not to do that. We've talked about all this stuff in the last few weeks. 
Do we take the scriptures seriously and try and implement them in our, in our life? Jesus said, the person who puts my teachings into practice is that one who built their house on the sand, as opposed to the foolish person who hears it and just walks away from it. If you are maturing, then you are putting this stuff into practice. And you recognize that the feeding is not always done by somebody else, but you are in the process of doing that as well. That prayer doesn't just happen when Pastor Ted does it on Sunday morning, but prayer is a part of your life because it's you and God. That Bible reading isn't just something that is a chore, but it happens in your life. That devotions is not just something that you don't want to do or you forget about, but you are implementing these things in your life. This is how we feed ourselves. Are we doing that? Are you completely and solely dependent upon someone else to do that? I hope my messages feed you. But there might be a day where it's not landing. Believe me, I know that not every message is hit out of the park. You can ask Jess most of the time, I think. <laughs> there, I struck out. That's how, most of I, that's how I process most of my messages. And the reality is, one day, if it hasn't happened yet, that's a miracle, and you're not being honest. I'm sure it's happened. But when it doesn't happen, does that mean you're not being fed anymore? Are you feeding yourself? Are you opening God's word because it's truth? Are you being with a group, a body of believers? I, I don't take attendance. There's not an attendance sheet in the old days. We did. And you got a ticket for coming. And then you got to go to a store and buy something. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should reinstitute that. Every Sunday you come, you get a ticket. I don't even remember what I bought. Usually candy. There's something that God does and is important about being together as the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, and a willingness to serve each other. As you mature, church, worship, is not all about what you can get out of it. It's about what you can give. Now, I'm simply describing what maturity looks like. This is what, I, what the author of Hebrews has done. This is what scripture is telling us. This is what 10 years of uh, church, pastoral ministry tells me. This is what my own life tells me in terms of where I was and where I am now. I remember when I put my life back on track with God, I was in every church service there was. We still had Wednesday evening prayer meeting and I was a class leader. I just, I wanted to be there. I wanted to grow. I was like a sponge just taking it all in. And one of the most powerful things I did was got together with a group of people to talk about the scriptures, to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, participating in some kind of small group. There's very little we can do to process together right now everything I've just said. But there's a Bible study that happens. There's a life group that happens. There's a connection group that happens. There's a mops ministry that takes place. There's a men's Bible study. There's a ladies Bible study. There's connection group. There's small group settings in which this is the whole point is we want to help each other mature and grow as believers. And, and this is what my concern is as I see more and more people drifting away from the truth of the gospel it means that we are not maturing. The whole diving into the deep end piece, that's what it's all about. 
There's so much more that God wants to do in our life. Imagine the difference we could make if we all started producing fruit. That person in our life who, whose life is being destroyed as they walk away from Jesus, their relationships are deteriorating. Imagine what could happen if we just try to introduce them. The power that that has, that's why I believe Phil Robertson made that story. He wanted to get his story out there. That's what, in, at the end, if you stayed long enough to watch the credits, his sister said, to this pastor you've never heard of. Bill Smith, you never heard of him. But he spent the time with Phil, walked with him to help him figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And she said to that pastor, if you bring Phil to Christ, he'll bring thousands. And he has. Guaranteed. I'm sure lots of people have come to Christ because they saw the power of his story and it did something in them. This process is so important. That's why I have decided to do a sermon series on it from September till now. If you are, took one of those sermon uh, notes, you can fill that out, use some of these things to take that with you and, and talk about with others whether or not I've had this failure to launch. The American church needs to get its act together. And there's no better time than the present. And we as the body need to help each other grow. And one day God may call you to help feed somebody else. Because they're a baby. They just don't know. They've never spent a day in church. Their family didn't grow up loving Jesus. They have no clue. But just as a baby needs us to help them grow, they're going to need you to help them grow. You're going to be hearing more about this. I want to be intentional about helping you do this. And so we are going to be looking at spring. I'll be talking with ministry council about this next fall, looking for ways where we can make the discipleship process happen in a very intentional way in small groups, in small settings to help each other mature and grow. And I'm going to be praying that from this moment until then, God's going to be stirring in people's hearts. That he will produce this desire and say, I don't want to stay where I am, Lord. I want you to take me to where you want me to go. That deep end. That's my prayer for this church. That's what I want our church to be known as. Disciples who make disciples. People who will find a church family in which they can grow and experience all that God intends. That happens when we mature as believers. My prayer is that you'll go on that journey with me as we intentionally try and pursue Christ and be disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for these words in Hebrews, important words that, God, sometimes are not easy to hear. It's not easy to come to the point where we recognize that we've failed to launch, and 
Maybe some of us need to have that conversation with family members, Lord, but I felt I've needed to have that conversation with us as a church. God, my desire is to just see us mature and grow. I desire that in my own life, and I desire to see that in other people's lives as well because I know what it means for them and for their relationships, for their outlook and perspective on life in general. And because I know there are people out in our world that we rub shoulders with every day that desperately need that life transformation. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a desire to grow and mature. And I pray, Lord God, that when we make that available with all the things we're already doing, Lord, that people would get involved, that they would see that this is an opportunity for them to take that next step closer to the deeper end. Lord, as that happens, I, I know, God, I know that you will bring people to yourself, and I know that we will see life transformation. God, I pray that that would start in each one of our hearts this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.